G'day, welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. This is Darren Mitchell with another little preamble to another great interview. Today I'm speaking with Gail Casper, author, speaker, producer, and sales innovator, all the way from Philadelphia in the States. She's a seasoned television host, former editor of Success Magazine, and a best-selling author of Unstoppable and the soon-to-be-released Sell Like a Cockatoo. We talk about sales artistry today, fabulous conversation. She's got a great background in sales, and I hope you enjoy listening to the podcast as much as I enjoyed having the conversation. And to connect with Gail, please check out the show notes, but also listen towards the end of the episode as well. So without further ado, let's get into the episode, a fabulous interview with Gail Casper. Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales leader looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. Welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. Darren Mitchell here all the way from Australia. And if you're an avid listener of the podcast, you know I'm in the in the uh, Mastodon Rangers in Australia. And another fabulous, fabulous guest joins me today all the way from Philadelphia in the US of A, Gail Kaspar. How are you today? I am great. Thank you, Darren, so much for having me. I'm super psyched about this. Anything with sales, I love. <laughs> Well, it's uh well, it's and it is the exceptional sales letter podcast. So we only talk to exceptional sales leaders, and the whole purpose of this podcast is is to help people who are either uh, in sales looking to move into a sales leadership role, or sales leaders looking to take their performance to an entirely new level. Or, funnily enough, as we talked about last last week, there's a lot of people that are not in sales at all who listen in this podcast because, interestingly, a lot of the principles we talk about transfer against multiple different industries and guess what every single person is in sales so there you go we cover all bases i love it i love it can we can we tap into that for a second just the idea that the the sales role uh first of all any of those that are in sales or um leaders in sales i mean that's for a job that sometimes doesn't get the respect that it deserves, you are in the biggest risk-taking job that's out there that challenges mm. every element of who you are to be everything you can be. So yeah. it's unlike any other role. It's it's the it's the job. It's the position to be worshipped. It's the place inside an organization that that upper management should just concede to. Um, and if we could just touch on that for a little bit, because those that are listening that aren't in sales, you want to develop your, your confidence skills. Mm. You want to be a more confident person. You want to be more in your life or take more risks or just try to figure out, say, I don't know what I want. Uh, get into sales because that's going to open your mind to what you can do that you didn't even know was possible. It's a, it's a fantastic topic. And, and I think we're, um, if I can be so bold, I think we're kindred spirits because I think we've got quite similar backgrounds and, and thought process around this because I believe that every single person's in sales and it is literally the ultimate form of service. And yet when you speak to people who are not in sales and you ask them the question, so what do you think about sales? They always say, oh, it's like the devil, keep them away. And yet they are also in sales because they have to convince, involve, persuade, influence, uh, get people on board, an idea whether it be something internally within their organization or 
their external stakeholders they have to have to manage. Now you've got a really interesting background which we're going to delve into as a as a um, what is it as a sales artist. I love that description. A um, an author, <laughs> yes, a speaker, producer, um, sales innovator, um, and a television host, which we'll which we'll get into. But I love I love talking about this topic as you as you kind of alluded to. What do you think it is about sales that people sort of dismiss or think, no, I don't want to do that. It's almost like sales is a dirty word. But as you rightly said, a lot of organizations, well, not a lot, I reckon just about every single organization in the planet would not be successful if not for their sales function. And sales is a uh, is a core representation of what they what they do on a daily basis. Yep. Based on your experience, and I know you've worked with thousands and thousands of people and lots of big organizations, what do you think the perception is and why do we have that perception? Well, I think that the old perception, well, think about it this way, go back years and go back decades. You know, somebody would walk in the door to purchase a washing machine, whatever. Salesperson was on top of you and they were pitching the product right away. Yeah. So it became this, oh my gosh, like I feel, intru- you know, it's this intrusion. They're, they're going to try to take me. They're uh, going to a, a, an auto dealership. They're going to try to steal from me. You know, I'm not going to get a good deal. They're, it's dirty feeling. It's pushy place. And um, the reality is that we all need something in life. We all have to interact with people in sales at some point. And the sales philosophies have changed in terms of going to relationship selling. Um, My new book right now, which is Sell Like a Cockatoo, which incorporates the relationship selling with product knowledge the customers have. So selling has changed. It's not... If you do come across that, you know, offensive, obnoxious salesperson, they're there, they do exist, and sometimes they're the top salespeople in the company. So I do understand that you don't want to be intruded upon, but by the same respect, we have to open our minds to everybody's got a job to do. It's like, I don't know if you get those um, telemarketing calls. You know, I get them and I know salespeople that will hang up on those people. So you're yeah. hanging up on a fellow salesperson when you do that. And I'm just not a believer in that. I think that we have to respect each other. And I think everyone needs to stop and take a look at who people are versus what it is that they're doing. Because yes. everybody's got a job to do. But it does have that stigma. It's got that negative, dirty stigma that I don't know that it will ever leave. You know, it's always going to kind of be there. Yeah, I just but wonder it's... whether that is a like generational thing. Because you you think back... And I know you come from a background where your father was a salesperson. So yes. the, as we talked about last week, the apple doesn't fall very far from the tree. Um, I I got into True. sales not because my father was in sales, but because I was in and around people who were in sales and I love what they represented in, and what they did. But it's I just wonder whether it's a generational thing that as more and more people look at the career of sales as a legitimate career, that it actually does provide value, whether that's going to start to evolve and change. Um, I'm sure there's still going to be some dodgy salespeople out there, but yeah. you mentioned car sales, for example. I know a lot of car salespeople who are just that, very, very dodgy. And yet I also know some car people who are very authentic and filled with integrity, and they're very, very successful because they make people feel wonderful about the experience they create in the purchasing of a car. And it's not like right. they're pushing a car onto them. They're trying to solve a problem. And if there's right. not a match, then guess what? They'll build a relationship 
and plant a seed for future possible um, transactions down the track. Or they'll leave that impression with somebody that says, oh, I don't, I'm not ready to buy a car now, but I know Gail and she she created a great impression. So I'm going to refer somebody to Gail because there's a trust transfer that happens. That happens all the time. And I, I always encourage people to, even if you are not an Apple person, go to an Apple store mm. because they are all salespeople in that store, but you'd never guess it. You would never ever guess it. You kind of mesh into that world and someone's asking, can I help you? And let me take your name down and directing you to the right space and answering your questions in a way that's so cash, so millennial style, you know, where there's no pushiness involved. They are all salespeople. That is the ultimate sales location to go to. Yeah, because it is what the future should be of sales. Where you're just talking to someone. That's it. You're not on top of them. You're just talking to them. So just yeah. having that conversation, so you can figure out what they're about, what they know, but what you can compliment. Because you've got to be the. And I talk about this in cockatoo. You've got to be the master of your product. Hmm. customer might walk in the door and say, I did the research. I know the competition. I know the money involved, but you've got to be the master of your product. If you bring that mastery to the table, no matter what that customer says, you will know how to respond. Hmm. So again, conversation, get back to conversation. I'm just talking to them. That's it. <laughs> and the other so thing I'll, I'll be interested, and we'll delve into the book as well, because I really want to talk about, talk about this. When you go into an Apple store, as an example, and this goes for any any professional salesperson, they've got to believe in their product, right? So they've got to know their product. But the other thing about that, it is not about the product because, I, and I, I share this a lot with, with sales training that I do, that your customers at the end of the day do not want your product. Now, it might be slightly different for Apple because I know there's a lot of um, there's a lot of guru uh, groupies out there that just love Apple, right? So just yeah, give me right, something right, here right. and that's fine, right? But the vast majority of products, your customers actually don't want your product. What they want is a solution to a problem they have or a solution to a problem they will have once they've actually had a conversation with you. And my job mm-hmm. is to see whether there's a problem. Whether you end up taking the product or not, hey, it's all good because the attitude is if you don't, if you're not a fit for this product right now, guess what? There'll be somebody else who will probably walk in after you who may well be. So I don't have any attachment to the outcome. And when that happens, and I love your take on this, that there's less pressure or less perceived pressure on the salesperson to have to close this individual because where this individual maybe walks out without a product, there'll be somebody that comes in who may be a bit of fit for the product and it's all good. Yeah, and I think that teaches us though too, you know, you're right. It's not always about, sometimes it's about the product only because it's developed that reputation. Yeah. So again, that's a long, that's a long haul to get to be an Apple, man. You're, that's a long way to go. Mm. Companies today have to aspire in my eyes to that. Some of them have reached it, but not a lot. Yeah. Meaning that you, you're still kind of trying to prove what you're about, what the company's about, how we work, how we take care of customers, um, have that connection and that relationship and that we have a viable product that will solve your needs. So for the most part, most of us haven't reached that Apple level at this stage mm. of the game. Yeah. Um, so you're right. It's not necessarily about that product because they might be able to go someplace else and find something that's going to work better for them. Yeah. Um, 
So it just depends on what that is. But on our end, we still got to get back to our, have we developed an effective relationship with them just to be able to continue a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'd love to go back a bit and start with um, the Gail, the, the Gail Casper story. <laughs> where, did, where did it all start for you? I know you mentioned last week that your father was in sales and you obviously followed in, in his footsteps, but what was it about um, what was it about sales and the, I guess the profession that led you to, to what you do today? Yeah, it's interesting because I think that when you are part of a true sales world, which means I grew up in it, um, my father was the master. He could take crap and sell it to you and you would think you're getting gold. And <laughs> But you really believed it. So it wasn't like my father was trying to get one over on you. It wasn't that. My father was like, oh, my God, no, this is gold. Like, look, look closer. Like, he really believed in everything that he talked about. And it was so much a part of his fiber. And I talk about this in Cockatoo, but that um, my sister had her boyfriend over one time for dinner. And my mom said to my dad, well, how are we going to get the hutch upstairs? Because they had to get the hutch upstairs. And now, again, there, there was no previous conversation with my sister's boyfriend and my dad. Nothing. My father's sitting, sitting at the dinner table. My mom asked, how are we going to get the hutch upstairs? And my father says, oh, John and I are going to do it after dinner. And, and <laughs> John was like, what, <laughs> what am I doing? Okay. Yeah. 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 And that's what people did with my father. You just nodded your head and went with it. And it's those same qualities that my father had that I have. When I have to encourage someone to do something, it's like, oh, come on, we're just going to do this little piece of it. It's going to be real easy. Oh, let's do three more. Like I just, it's suddenly I'm just adding to the puzzle. Yeah. Um, it's just that persuasion, that art of persuasion that I grew up with that led me down that path. My father had me selling credit cards in a mall, credit card applications in a mall when I was um, a teenager and I wanted to work. Yeah. Uh, I always wanted to work. My father said, you can stay and you can babysit, you know, the neighborhood, make money under the table, make good money. I'm like, no, I want to be out in the business world. I was like, 15 years old and I wanted to be in the business world. But I was uh, selling credit card, like not selling, but trying to encourage people to sign up for credit cards. That was my first sales role. Yep. So I would shout to the people in the mall saying, hey, you want a credit card? You know, a lot of credit card applications. Yeah, I was hustling. I was hustling as a Man. kid. And that's Man. where it started. Yeah. Good initiation. It was a great initiation. It's it was true cold calling, but with a warm feel because people didn't actually have to purchase anything. Yeah. yeah. The sale was that they filled out the application. Yeah. So with with that and with the experience you had with your father, because as you were describing that, talking about the hutch putting upstairs, it was a classic assumptive close, right? Just assuming yep. that we're gonna have help and there was no real um, there's no correspondence to end it into because it's just assumed that you're going to continue to move forward. So that comes from confidence. And a lot of people in sales, and particularly when they start in sales, they don't have the confidence because they've got some reservations about whether that's the right product for them, whether they've got enough product knowledge, what's going to happen if I get to the stage where I'm not knowing what to say, um, what, God forbid, what if I have to ask the customer for an order? And what if they say no? There's all this stuff that happens in our heads, most of which is completely fabricated and it's not real. Um, Correct. What was what was some of your early experiences? Because I'm sure that 
as all of us have gone through in, in sales, we've gone through ups and downs, right? Mm-hmm. What were some of the early lessons that you learned, but also how did your father help you, I guess, get through those and, and become like the catalyst for what you eventually ended up going and doing? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because I didn't always stay in sales as I grew up, like and went to college and, and all of that. I didn't always stay in sales. It was always part of my green. But uh, the true lessons of sales came to me in life, like when I pursued my first television opportunity. You know, I was actually working in sales for a training organization, selling their training programs and really was hit in the face with a lot of rejection, a lot of no's, a lot of calls. People didn't want to be bothered and would hang up or you had to follow up a thousand times to get an appointment. So all of that. But one of the cold calls I made was to an organization called America's TV Job Network, and it was to sell them the training. I went to see them and they said, look, we're not looking for any training, but we're, you know, we're a TV show and we're looking for hosts for our show. And I had always, since I was a kid, wanted to be in television. I went to college to be a newscaster and really dropped out because I, it got too hard and I got scared. Yeah. Ended up in the business world. But then here I am becoming a trainer and a speaker, selling it and coming across this company that was a TV show. And when they said they were looking for hosts, I said, what about me? And they said, uh, well, we need somebody with experience but I couldn't let it go. I was back on their doorstep every day, um, just, just making an appearance. I just wanted to be the first thought in their mind in the morning. I wanted to be the last thought at night. I wanted to be in front of them. I wanted that so badly. And it, I did that for three months. So when you talk about being in sales and you put yourself out there and you're taking this risk and you're looking, you feel like a total idiot. And after three months, the executive producer sat me down and he said, I'm sorry, Gail, but, you know, we need someone with experience. We're holding auditions next week. And I said, I'll see you at those auditions. So I went to the audition, uh, cried all the way home because I felt like an idiot because here I was yeah. already told no, but, oh, yeah. I'm going to show up at the auditions. But, Gail, we told you no, but OK, show up at the auditions, <laughs> went to the auditions, felt like an idiot. But for the next two years, I was the co-host of that show. So I actually got the role. And, and when you talk about lessons in sales, fit number one, finish what you start. Yeah. Finish what you start. Don't be like, okay, well, they're not getting back to me. It's done. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. You know, don't be that. Um, and it doesn't mean that you're going to get that answer right away. But until you get a no, there's not a no. Yeah. And find different ways be creative see what you can drum up through your own creative efforts try something different but don't put all your eggs in one basket i had yeah. done that i i that was the biggest lesson i ever learned because if you i listened to that executive producer he told me go away gail no we need someone that has experience and had i gone i never would have become what i've become today Finish what you start, follow it through. When you feel your stupidest, keep going. That's like the major lesson in it. When you feel like, man, I'm making such an ass of myself, keep going. <laughs> it reminds me of two things, right? <laughs> one is one is the story of Les Brown, right? So yeah. and I think people are listening, they'll they'll know Les. And if you if you don't know Les, if you're listening to this right now, look up Les Brown, his story. 
because he had the same. He wanted to be a disc jockey, right? So he would he would come on, go to the disc jockey's radio station day in and day out, just hoping, just in case somebody fell sick, and he was practicing and practicing and practicing and practicing until one day. I think I think the story was the disc jockey was drunk, so I had to take him yes. off air, and I had he nobody. Was he was to drinking. He, he was standing. was standing outside the window saying, "Drink, drink away." <laughs> and he got his opportunity and became a disc jockey, but he'd been practicing. Now imagine in your case, if you had to listen to that producer in the first place and said, no, we need experience. And this is the key lesson because how many salespeople give up after the first call or after the first meeting? It didn't go according to plan or we see or we perceive there's no opportunity here. So I'm going to flush that prospect. I'm going to flush that customer. And we go on to the next one. Statistically, the ones that, that win are the ones that stay the game. And it's not being about being a nuisance, Right. It's going until you actually definitively say, hey, Gail, no, stop coming back. It's not going to happen. But even then you say, well, hang on, that's not, is that a no, not now? Is that a no, maybe potentially, or what is it? Right. And, and technically, okay, so yeah, I would have just made a bigger ass of myself being at the auditions (laughs) and still got a no. Do you know what I mean? Which is what obviously I was expecting, like, after yeah. my audition, I'm thinking, okay, I'm done. You know, I, I wasn't happy with my audition and I just felt like an idiot, you know? And and on top of it, this was the funniest part. All right. So the next day, one of the executive producers, I did not know I got the role yet. I did right. not know. So I go to the office. I'm thinking I'm going to hold my head up high and, you know, walk in and, you know, rise above and um, I walk in the door and the one of the executive producers said to me, you know, I want you to see some of the other auditions. I think there are some things you could really like pick up from it, some tips you could get from it. Okay. Well, in my mind, I already failed and didn't get it. So I don't want to look at anybody else's tips. I don't want to see that crap. What are you kidding me? Make so, me feel even I, worse than I already do. Yeah, exactly. I feel like I feel terrible. I mean, maybe ask me in a month, but like yeah. right now, I don't want to hear that stuff. So I didn't know yet that I had gotten the role, and that's when I found out actually because I'm like, yeah, no, I'm I'm good. I don't need to see anything. Thank you. And he said, well, you know, when we start recording or whatever, and that's when I learned that I got I got the role. So, so here's here's the question then, based on that, right? So, um. And a kind of a question without notice, which is most of the question. It's, it's like not sure what question I'm going to ask next. Did you did you find out from them what it was? Because you've walked away from that experience thinking, and you mentioned you you're crying all the way home. You think that was that was terrible. I'm never going to get this, and whatever else you've been thinking about. Did you find out what it was about your audition that said, "Yep, we've got the right person"? Um, you know what? I never asked that question uh because i solely believe that they saw the talent you know they saw that i i had the talent there there was a raw talent um that was there but along with that was this like undying passion and drive that you just couldn't say no to yeah and you know when you take that combination you know you're going to put somebody into the role that's going to bust their ass that, you know, of course, I, you know, even after that, I got myself my own coach so I could really take my skills to another level and all the things that you want to be doing in sales. Like you don't just say, okay, I'm here, I'm done. You want to be getting better. You want to improve. You want to take up, you know, your skill sets. 
they, they knew that they had somebody that was in it. Like I was committed to this process. Yeah. And so there was, it wasn't, I don't think one thing, I think it was the collective element that was a positive for them to bring into their world. And, you know, that combination, because it was, there was, so, they were like family. They brought me in and, you know, I was part of that family. Oh, so love it. it was, it was just a great. There must have been, there must, and this is, this is people listening to this might think, well, hang on, I don't have the experience, which at the time you didn't, right? Um, you maybe didn't know, and, and I'm just putting your words in your mouth here. So this is just an, a hypothetical. Okay. You didn't know the first thing about TV hosting, right? You might have yep. watched TV, but it's like, it's like people that when they first learn to drive, they think, oh, this, this looks easy. I've watched my parents drive for years. How hard can it be? Until <laughs> they get in the driver's seat. <laughs> So you had no experience, no no technique, um, no understanding of what it what goes into producing. Just go ahead, right? feed my world of negativity. <laughs> but but think about it, right? But, but in spite true. of right. all of that, you're right. You still said, no, no, this is what I want to do. So this is this is about persistence, but also about belief and how much belief we have to have, not just as a salesperson, but as a human being, to be really effective in in life today. Because there's so many people saying you can't do this or you need to fit into this mold. So what sort of belief do we have? Because people will buy, and this is the key message that I find around sales, is people will buy you before they buy the company you work for and before they buy the product that you represent. So if you can demonstrate that you believe in something so passionately that they'll buy into that before any purchase of a product. So how do you, how do you resonate with that in terms of looking at the at, at your I guess transition into the world of television, which has led you led you to do a whole host of other things. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, all right. So what's the question again? I have no <laughs> idea. That was a good question. <laughs> um, but, and the thing is, you're right though. There was all this negativity, all this, but it didn't stop. It was meant to be. It was the craziest thing. I had lived out in California for five years, didn't touch TV or film. I was working a full-time job yep. in an office. I came back from LA to Philly and that's when my world, well, first, the first thing that I would say I did, and this I, I send out to, as to everyone out there, especially if you're like, okay, I'm not sure what I want to do with my life. Where do I want to be? And you're thinking about getting into sales. Cause obviously I have said, do it. It's the best risk-taking place you can be in forces you to talk to new people and get out and network and all those things. But when I got back from LA, I was 25 and I had no idea who I was and I was not taking care of me and I didn't yeah. know how to. I ended up in an abusive relationship that led me to have to get out and build the world. I was so isolated. I was working all the time. I didn't mm. even know what it was to get out. So again, I mean, that's a, that's a really bad place to be. But in life, Sales forces you to have to get out, to find, to be, to develop, to grow, to learn. It forces you to do all the things that help build your life. Mm. So if you're looking for peace in your life, jump into sales, expand your sales world. If you're in sales, take more classes, go to the next level, challenge yourself to, to hit those higher numbers, because it's not only going to go into your pocket financially, but mm -hmm. it's going to build who you are on a confidence level as a person and bring more peace into your life, just because you're working on you. Mm 
Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think everyone that's, that's in college should be in sales. I think everyone that is, is in high school should be learning sales. I think sales should be the root of what this world starts from to what you become, just so that you develop those external skills of communication yeah. and you, you build confidence. You do. And I love, I love um, the confidence. And I think Brendan Bashard talks about this a lot, the confidence competence loop. So you get confidence, you develop competence or skill set. Once you develop more and more competence and skill set, you develop more confidence. So it's like the infinity symbol. It's great. That's great. You're yeah. exactly right, Darren. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Awesome. So from that, you've also you've also got got a history as part of the uh, Success Magazine, and I've been an avid subscriber to Success Magazine for I reckon 15, 20 years, a long, long time. And what what led you to what led you to that? Because you've got a really interesting uh, television host, millions of viewers. Yeah. Uh, you're now a trainer, author, speaker, sales innovator, sales artist. I work a lot, obviously. Yes, I do. Um, and I, I never fall short on ideas to do something different or try something different. But when Success Magazine had come about, I was the um, on a segment for the Comcast Morning Show, and it was the Ask Gail segment. Okay. So people would write in and ask Gail a question, and then Gail would address it on the air. And that's what led to Success Magazine pulling me in to be Ask Gail, you know, for right. business tips, professional okay. tips, etiquette tips, that type of thing. Yeah. So the Ask Gail element of my life, it, it did not last long, but it was part of the evolution in terms of the books and further development and speeches and other programs that went with it. Yeah. But yeah, it, it was all part of it was all part of my brand, you know, that just came about. And I was I was blessed in a lot of ways, you know. Love it. And I've got to ask this question because when I see columns of, you know, ask Gail, ask Darren, ask Tom, ask Dickhead, ask Gary, I'm always yeah. thinking. Do people actually write in or is it, do we just create a question and then we send it over to our own desk and say, well, I'm going to ask Gail my own question. Uh, they do write in. They, they do, do, but it takes time for that to happen. Meaning that it, it's not just because you become Ask Gail. It's not just because you write a book. It's not just because you developed a program. You know, it's got to gain the credibility behind it. Um and, and it's, as you said, people are buying you. People mm. are buying you. You know, I just started a, um, a website called menalmighty.com, and it's about helping men to further themselves through me- other men experts to become more in life. Yeah. And, you know, people are like, well, you know, there's a lot of information out there already, and people can get information anywhere. They're not buying that. They're buying Gail. That's part of that process. Yeah. So it, it, it is exactly what you said. People buy you. I remember when my brother was in sales and he, the company he started working for, the area that he was given was dormant. He yeah. walked in to see one of those previous customers and the guy said to him, I hate you and I hate your company. Those were the first words out of his mouth and they didn't even know my brother. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. He of course that that guy became one of his best customers, but it's because he was bought into my brother, mm. you know. So it really is. They are buying you. If I have a bad feeling about you, I'm going someplace else, even That's if it's a, 
even if it's another the same even if it's another Verizon store um and if I want for you know to get something from Verizon yeah I'm not going to you going yeah, absolutely. Else. absolutely so we that if we always remember that piece of it then we're off to a good start yeah and if you are authentic and you're genuine and you care about the people the the customer and do the right thing about the customer and I think mine my own take on all this is there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of salespeople out there that are so under so much pressure to have to hit a target that they forget that the sale actually doesn't start until after the sale is made. Now, yeah. the classic example there is like a Verizon store or um, not so much an Apple store because they know that we have they'll have repeat customers. It's all about the experience, but. Car dealerships, classic example. A lot of salespeople in car dealerships are looking for the next customer. And once the next customer is done and they've made the transaction, they think, right, what's the next customer versus thinking, hang on a second, Gail has bought a car now, but if I treat her well and continue to show a genuine interest in her, then I'm going to plant the seed for the when she's an upgrade possibility in two years or three yep. years. But I don't know who Gail knows. She might be able to refer yep. people to me. So if I'm looking after you, I might have three or four, maybe five cars over the next five to 10 years that I don't actually have to work for because now I'm going to bring them to me, right? If if I show a genuine interest in my customer. Now, too many salespeople look at their customers as a transaction. Why? My view, I'd love your view on this because often they're under so much pressure to hit a number because their managers are saying, you're behind on your target. You've got to pull out all stops to hit your target. I don't care what you've got to do, get your number which then transfers into a certain pattern of behavior, which doesn't create that great impression. And is it any wonder that sometimes salespeople have this bad name as the pushy snake or salesman? What's yeah. your view on that? Uh, I totally agree with that. You know, they're, they're under the gun. They got to produce, but they don't sometimes realize that you don't have to be that pushy person. Like in other words, Stop thinking short term. It's like yeah. sales reps. They don't want to go to training short term. I don't want to be, I want to be in the field. I want to be talking to customers. I don't want to go to training. I'm going to be, I'm not going to be making money all day long if I go to training. Yet those one or two tips that you get from that training session can make you more money. So it's that short term thinking. And it's the same customer walks in the door, short term thinking, okay, I got to get the sale. I got to get the sale. I got to get the sale. Well, back up. What is your process? What's yeah. the process that you have in place that's going to um, nurture the long-term relationship so that, in other words, why waste your time? Why go in and just aim to get the sale? Yeah. Get the sale, but get the long-term relationship that goes with it. <laughs> you know, you can have both. You don't yes. have to just get the sale. <laughs> because if you just get the sale, then how's the customer going to feel about that? They might feel... Uh, this is a dirty sales transaction, so I'll, I'll, I'll do the transaction, but I'm not going to necessarily do another one or another one or another one versus a professional salesperson will say, well, yeah, this is but but the first step in hopefully a long-term relationship where I'm going to always be top of mind because I'm going to continue to build that relationship after the first transaction because that's right. what that's the right thing to do. Well, I think that... Uh everybody needs to know this that even our medical world now you go see a doctor and if you need a procedure you need something done they're all 
trying to sell you on getting it done at their hospital. Mm. Doctors have now become salesmen. So, and it's, that's a little scary Mm. because, you know, you've got to do what's right for you and they may do want a procedure a certain way. You may need it done another way that's Mm. best for you. So I, I, I throw that out to the world right now. You know, in other words, we're giving tools to doctors for sales, we got to be careful who we give these tools to because it's yes. not about sales. It is about the person, which is what you have been saying. It's yeah. about the customer. It's about the person. It's about what's best for them. Yeah. If it's what's best for them, it's going to be a win forever. Yeah. If it's not, it will haunt you for the rest of your life. It'll haunt you. So in what way? Because that that's that's deep and that's big. Yeah, I'll haunt you in a way, meaning that if you've just sold something just to make that sale and it's not right for them, that customer is going to come back angry. It's not going to be, you're not, it's not going to be done. Love it. You know, you will create a problem for yourself if you've acted in a way that isn't best for that customer. And this is potentially then the negative butterfly effect. Okay. Go so ahead, Dad. Tell me that. Tell me that. <laughs> Run with it. Go ahead. No, I'm just, making, I'm just making that up, right? Because you know the butterfly effect, it's, you pay it forward, right? The the thing you put out will come back. There's a ripple effect. Yeah. So if you if you look at a, a transaction or a customer as an opportunity to make your target, you're making it about you, not about the customer. So that energy transfer, if you like, that customer doesn't have a good positive experience with that transaction. They might have actually done the transaction because they can't they can't they can't get rid of you. So just give me the paperwork and I'll sign. But they have no intention of doing any further business. The other thing that happens is they start to talk to people, right? Don't don't go and talk to Gail because this is how she treated me. So it starts to be the negative ripple effect. And and that's why I keep saying don't burn your bridges because people won't necessarily remember what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel. And as a salesperson, we've got to keep focusing on how we create the best possible impressions of people. And it's not about being liked. Because if you find a problem, you've got to actually challenge the customer to take action if it's going to be of benefit to them. Not benefit to me, benefit to them. And if they don't realize that, we might be the first person in their professional world to actually challenge them to say, hey, here's a mirror. Maybe have a really good look at yourself because maybe there's some things you might want to change. Right. (laughs) It just so happens that I've I've got the elixir to help you change. Right. I totally get it. Totally get it. You've got to be, you've got to, and but that takes, that takes big kahunas because a lot of people, I don't, I don't know why I've just put my hand up, but that zooms. I <laughs> just put my hand up, see that. You have a question, Darren? Yes, uh, you. Can I back. ask myself a question? There you go. <laughs> so fast forwarding, because I know you do a lot of training and um, we'll get some details on your website and, and how can people get, um, get in contact with you towards the back end of today. There's a there's a specific process that you have created known as that. Now, how do you say it? You call it the sad the sad dash T or the sad sad T sad T is the abbreviation, but it's sad the tea. systematic attitude development technique. Yeah. So uh, it, it, tell us about that. Yeah, uh, it's in my book, Unstoppable, which is um, it is now available. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it on Apple Books. Uh, I have a digital version on my website, which you can get a reduced price if you go to my website. So, but it's um, it's really cool because it takes a very 
basic principle of getting logical versus emotional, but it forces you to think about it. Mm-hmm. Meaning if we just looked at ourselves and said, oh, you know what, tomorrow morning, I'm going to get up and work out. And then you get up in the morning and you're like, oh, I don't feel like working out, you know, and you don't do it, but it haunts you for the rest of the day because, you know, you're like, oh, I should have went to the gym. I should have went, I should have went. That's emotional though. When you don't mm. feel like doing something, it's emotional. Logic is you just get up, yeah. you go to the gym, you work out. And then there's that positive effect that you have after that, that you feel for the rest of the day. But it's the difference between emotion and logic and getting logical versus emotional so that we keep taking action. For example, in sales, we face a lot of rejection. I just made three phone calls. Oh my God, they didn't go anywhere. So it's what a waste of time. And that's an emotional reaction. Yeah. That causes you to go to your phone and now you're on social media. And you know what I mean? Like, again, emo- emotional reaction. But if I keep, okay, I'm just going to keep going. I've got 20, 20 numbers here. I'm going to hit all 20. Yeah. That's logical. You see the positive results of that. So what I always say to people is identify what are the tasks that you should do in a day that will make it a successful day. Make a list of those tasks. And, and list sounds so basic. It's like, yeah, get back to making a list. It is. <laughs> but something happens in your brain when you write things down. It yes. becomes part of your world when you're actually acknowledging it. It becomes in the forefront of your brain. So make that list of the things you need to do in a day to have a successful day. Identify the top three things on that list that if you did them, would produce the greatest positive results in your life. In sales, that could be the cold calling. It could be going to a networking event. It could be, okay, I got to get this paperwork in. Whatever that Mm. is. Mm. Could be working out. One of them could be, you know, I just got to get to the gym. I want to get up at five in the morning. Whatever that is. And then you do those top three things. Because those three things are going to make you feel like, wow, I'm, I, I got things going. It's a positive space to be. I'm, I'm in the right. This is you're in a good. You're in a good space. And step four is to ask for help. Meaning that if you get stuck, if you fall into the emotion, there's got to be somebody you can turn to that can kick you in the butt to get you going. Mm. That can say, wait a minute, let's let's do it together. Whatever. Maybe you have a partner at work. They're both in sales. Yeah. But Unstoppable and Sad Tea, which is an entire book, goes through everything from dealing with the crisis situations and how to manage it to your support system. Who are they? How do you pick and choose them? Who do you get rid of from your support system that maybe is there right now and holding you back? Absolutely. And who are you? Like, what's, what are your strengths? What are your talents? Where's your attitude at? So it takes you from start to finish in terms of taking the steps to achieve your goals. And the book begins with what my TEDx talk was about, you know, achieving your fire. How do you find your fire? What is your passion, in other words? Yeah. How, do you, how do you identify that and then move toward it? Because mm. your greatest fear in life is that you're going to move toward it and then fail. So that's what Unstoppable is. And, and sadly, it's a basic formula, but... It's just amazing. If you stopped and thought about emergency personnel, you know, they see a gunshot wound. They don't run from the scene. You know, they know exactly what needs. That's the logic. That's the logic that saves lives. And if people can save lives by being logical, we can change our life in any way we want. And that's what we want to get back to. 
And we still, and that's not to say that those emergency services people still don't have emotion because they still have to have a mechanism. And, and I love the way you, you said you've got to have people around you who support you and get what, rid of the ones who don't because these guys need to have people who they can talk to and process a lot of stuff because they'll see a lot of a lot of stuff that will have an impact on their emotions. Yeah. But they they can segment them or, on, on, and put them into compartments, right, to do that. Yeah. But I love, I love the the approach to that because in sales it is a very emotional game because if you get one person if you're cold calling or if you've got a customer that for all intents and purposes has given you some buying signals but you go and see them and you find out that they've already purchased with a competitor that can have a detrimental impact on your entire day let alone your entire week and particularly if you've actually said to your manager hey there's a pretty high probability I'm going to be able to get this deal. And then you've got to walk back to your manager with your tail between your legs to say, oops, sorry, that can have an emotional impact on the next thing you do. So to separate yourself from that, um, and, I, and I'm hearing disassociation because the more disassociated we are, the more logical we can be and the more clinical we can be, if you like, um, and just following what that process is. But then is it a case of whatever those three things are, um, repeat them? and do it over and over and over again? Is that is that what we're saying as well? Because it starts to form a habit? Um, it, well, it depends. I think every day is a new day and every day is different. And I say you do the process in, like, from a new brain space mm. because what those three things are might be different every day. Okay, what are the three things that if I did them are going to produce the greatest positive results in my life? Yeah. Yesterday may be different than today. Yeah. So, and some things might be the same. That's okay if they are. But yeah. reality is that you hope that they're a little bit different just because yeah. you want to see some growth in you. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's almost like flipping it because you mentioned before that if you're getting up in the morning, you know, and, and I've heard people say this, you know, get your gym gear out before you go to bed the night before. Right. But even with that, sometimes you'll get up and you'll think, my God, I see my gym things on the on, on the end of the bed. I think I just couldn't be bothered. So I'll just go back and get under the doona, whatever the case might be. But, right, right. Let you guys, you gym stuff, go ahead, go. Um, okay. <laughs> that's right. I'm, I'm gonna stay here. I'll man the place. <laughs> that's it. That's it. But if you if you bypass that emotion and do it anyway, because as mm-hmm. as leaders, and I talk about this to sales leaders all the time. You're going to have to do some things and have conversations and put yourself into positions that is not not palatable or it's, you're going to have some trepidation around. It's not about how you feel. you just got to do things irrespective of how you feel. But if yeah. you let your emotions stop you, then they'll stop you, right? And then you'll logically justify, oh, you know what? No, I'll do it. I'll do it later on today. I've got too many things on anyway, so et cetera, et cetera. But what you're saying is if you flip that and just logically say, not only going to think about it, I'm just going to get up and go to the gym. Yep. By the process of doing that logically, what you're saying at the end of it is there's an emotion that comes into that saying, you know what, I'm really glad I did that because I feel better for having moved. And yep. what's the emotion you can then pick up and grab onto because that can lead to the next step. And that could be the next thing on your list or it could be the next call. And just by working out in the morning as an example, you then go into your first sales call and you're feeling fantastic, right? But you woke up wanting to not do anything. Exactly. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Powerful. So um, it, it, the sati is a movement, you know, it's, it's a movement. It's a movement. And it's like you said, it doesn't mean you're taking emotion out of your life. It has nothing to do with that. Mm. You know, you experience love and hate and anger and frustration and all of those things. Yeah. But 
we can't allow those things to get in the way of of making money, survival, mm-hmm. taking our lives to another level, seeing what we're capable of doing. Yeah. We can't allow those things to get in the way. Absolutely. Which leads me to the next, the new book, and how, and the new book is "Sell Like a Cockatoo." I love, I love the title, and I love to know how did how did that come up? How, how do you uh, find the the title "Sell Like a Cockatoo"? Because I've got to say, as an Australian, cockatoos are a very Australian. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Um, I thought long and hard about this because in today's day and age, it is all about moving with the customer. Meaning they're going to walk in the door. They've done the research, which I said earlier, they know the competition. They know your prices. They put, they pretty much have in their head what they want. And here you are faced with that. And we can lose control of the sales call pretty quick if we just follow them. Yeah. The goal in sales is always to have the customer following you. So we have to get that control back. And there's a couple of things in the book I identify that help us do that. But the book is essentially about dancing with the customer. So I thought about, okay, what are the animals that dance? Well, cockatoos dance. Cockatoos <laughs> get loud. Cockatoos, you can't leave alone too long because they kind of, you know, go about what they want to go about, which is very much like a sales rep. Cockatoos have 60-year relationships, which is always our goal. Mm. So there were so many similarities between the cockatoo and the sales rep that I identify in the book. And you know, that's the reason it became sell like a cockatoo, you know, how to master this new way of selling in a rapidly changing world, because yeah. we're not losing the relationship selling process, but we do need to modify it. It's not yeah. the same as it used to be. It yeah. is different. And we've got to be prepared for that. So the book holds sales reps in the highest regard. You know, I have an opening uh, poem that's there for sales reps that it, they should be worshipped, you know, yeah. the, for what they go through to achieve, to accomplish, to be. They just, again, I bow down to them. I, I just have so much respect for those that are committed to that job. And it's such a hard job to do. So yeah, the yeah. book, you know, w- with all of that, it just works to help the sales rep take their game to a whole new level. You want to take your game up and you, you get sell like a cockatoo. So you can start dancing like a cockatoo and maybe start yeah, they can. Um, they talking can. like a cockatoo as well. Right? <laughs> exactly. Well, hopefully it's understandable. That's the only thing I can say. <laughs> well, the cockatoos that I've been across, they're very eloquent. In fact, they, oh. uh, they mimic their owners. Yes. Yeah, they do. They do. I talk about that in the book too. I talk about that too. But there's like over 50 body language tips and techniques in there, uh, tone of voice tips. So things to pay attention to with your customer. Okay, that's it. Like, you know, a lot of times we're in sales and we're so busy focused on the close that we we hear a customer doesn't sound, you know, confident in their decision, but we just keep talking. Whereas this says pay attention to every word every tone of voice, every piece of body language so that you are in the space to keep that sale moving forward. Yes. That's what the book is. Awesome. And do you talk in the book, because um, I haven't read it yet, but I will be, uh, do you talk about not selling past the close? Um, in other words, you utilizing silence at one point. So in other words, you yes. get some silence and then you move up. on. I do, I do, I do. 
<laughs> Sometimes, like, and I, I address this, the customer is selling themselves. They're going, yeah. one of the things I love about this is it's this, it's that, it's this, it's that. And we cut them off there too. When mm. we got to shut up, let them sell themselves. Yeah. <laughs> let them do your job. That's good. <laughs> it's a good sign. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, Gail, I'll, I'll ask you in a second where we can where we can get access to that book and where people can find out more about about you and the stuff that you do and the work you do. But if if we and we're going to have salespeople listening to this, we're going to have sales leaders listening to this. Some will be experienced, some will be relatively inexperienced. Based on all the work that you're doing and all the experience you've had, as we approach the middle of 2023. And people could be listening to this in March of 2025, right? So right, it's, right, it's, right. We, and, we, and we think about this because this is a good thing about podcasts. They're evergreen. Um, and I haven't even re- revealed what date this is, but just so you know, guys, this is around the end of Mar- the end of May. And then I said March. No, it's two months ago. It's the end of May. Um, for a sales leader or salesperson thinking about this, what is, particularly in, the, in 2023, what is a key piece of advice that we need to be really conscious of um, to be more effective. Now, it might be something out of your book, uh, but or it could be something that you, you're almost already thinking about in terms of the next evolution of sales. Given that buyers are, are that much more educated, and as you rightly said, most of them have already probably made a buying decision before they even start to engage with you anyway. So long gone are the days where you walk in and say, hey, tell me about your business. <laughs> exactly, exactly. No, right. So what what's, what's a key piece of advice that you that you like giving sales leaders for 2023 that might be something we can leave people with? Uh, I, I like to always think progressive, but take it up a step. Meaning your sales rep comes to you if you're a leader, obviously, and they're like, okay, I've got a customer here and this is what's going on. And your first question to that sales rep is, why did they call us? What are they looking for? What do they like about the product? So rather than, okay, well, what do you have and what do you got and what are the numbers you're playing with and what are you doing with that? Can your sales rep, and I say that to the sales reps too, Mm. why is that customer in front of you? What is that benefit that they are um, going to get from making this purchase? Before you even approach your manager, you should know who that customer is, why they're there, what they're about, and how this is going to benefit them. The manager should be asking those same questions and the sales rep should be able to articulate it. Because when you have that, you have a solid foundation for which to close that customer. No matter what, you, you have a sense of who they are, what they're about, and that they're in the right space. And I think we need to get back to that level of basics all the time because it gets overlooked when we're going for the close, whether I'm a sales rep or I'm a manager. So who are your customers? Who are they? And I'm not talking about just, you know, that they, they, they live down the street. Yeah. Who are they? Um, so that that's the piece of advice I, w- I would say, you know, that I would give. Along with, I mean, we talked about so much today. I feel like it was all equally important. Yeah. Um, but if I had to leave everybody with one note, it's get back to the basics. Yeah. You know, get back to who are, you, who are they? Absolutely. You know, we're, we're blessed to have them walk in the door or to call yeah. us. We're blessed. Sensational. And if I could add one thing that that really resonated with me, and I, and I like the sad tea as an approach, it's um, obviously be aware of your emotions. And this is the emotional intelligence part. So be aware of the emotions, be aware of what you're labeling in terms of emotions, but start to build, I guess, the muscle around 
taking action despite that emotion and look at, okay, what do I logically need to do today to move myself forward? Because you, you've talked a lot about going to the next level, right? So yep. if you feel, if you don't feel like doing, because it's easy when you wake up in the morning and not feel it and then make logical excuses to justify why you're going to take no action or pathetic action, right? <laughs> let's, right. let's put it out there, right? But right. to get better at, no, it doesn't matter how I feel. And this is this is a, a great lesson for leaders. You're going to have to take responsibility because people are relying on you. So tap into your logical brain and do what you know is right because it will lead you to a next step. And doing that, guess what? You'll start to feel better and how that is going to flow on to, to others. That is the positive butterfly effect. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly I right. I love it. So, uh, we've um we've been going nearly an hour. It doesn't feel like that. It doesn't. Mm -hmm. uh, it just it's gone like that, which is uh, which is a great sign. Uh, we might have to do this again. So, um, as we wrap up this particular episode, um, if people want to know a bit more about Gal Casper and where they can get your books, Unstoppable, but also the recent is it released yet or is it about to be released? Like Unstoppable is released. Uh, Sell Like a Cockatoo. Both books are available on my website. So okay. anyone can go to Gail, G-A-I-L-K-A-S-P-E-R.com. So Casper yeah. Like the Ghost, but with a K. And he, and my father always used to say that too. That's how he got Casper with a K. For him. Gail Casper <laughs> Like the Ghost, but with a K. Um, so both books are available in digital form on the website. Unstoppable is available. Um, you know, you can purchase that through Amazon. So that's that's out now. Uh, I would say it's probably about another month out for Sell Like a Cockatoo to actually hit the stands. But again, okay. you can get it on my website. Nice, nice. And they can connect with you as well through the website or if you've got other... They can. Uh, um, e email address, gail at gailcasper.com. Not very complicated. <laughs> I kept it simple. <laughs> Um, well, certainly. Yeah. There, there's an, a contact form there, but you can also, like I said, just reach me directly through my email address. Brilliant. Awesome. Gail, it's been an absolute pleasure. I know it's only early in the morning over there in Philly, but greatly appreciate you taking this time on this, and I'll reveal it on this Wednesday. Great. Great. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Darren, for having me. I, it's always, it's always an honor. You have people that are listening to you, that trust you, and the fact that you bring me in really means a lot. You know, and I just want people to have everything that they're capable of having. And some of that stuff is the unknown right now. So they they got to reach, like you said, get logical and go after it. Yeah, and I and I love talking to people who are quality people from all over the world who. We're on the same mission. We might come at it from slightly different ways and we might have different right. sort of processes. But at the end of the day, what we've got in common is to make to make the world of sales that much better for people because the world needs salespeople and the world needs sales leaders to lead those salespeople. So, you know, we're both, we're both on a mission. So we're going to have to do this again. I love it. I had a great time. Thank you. Thanks, Gail. So thank you so much for being on the, uh, on the podcast and um, we'll, uh, we'll talk real soon. Sounds great. All All right. Take care. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.